0: Kevin Murphy here, you're listening to Conversations with Kevin, a show about innovation, creativity, product and purpose. It contains all the ingredients that make up what Kevin Murphy is and what we stand for. So I'm Kevin Murphy, and this is Conversations with Kevin. Welcome to Conversations with Kevin. I'm Nathan Gorman. So, for more than a year, the world supply chain has seen unprecedented upheavals. COVID 19 lockdowns, production issues, shipping container shortages, and labour disruptions have resulted in gridlock ports all around the world. In this episode, we will explore what this means for us in the salon and at Kevin Murphy. Welcome to Conversations with Kevin. I'm Nathan Gorman, and today I have one very special guest. For the first time ever on Conversations, I have Betty Kayo. With a title like Betty's, who better to have as a guest? Betty is the Global Vice President for Supply Chain and Operations of Kevin Murphy. Hi, Betty. Hi, Nathan. So I'm really excited to have you here speaking about this. I mean, in the past, we never really spoke about supply chain, did we? No, never. It was never a
1: conversation that many people would have
0: and now it's on the news, it's on the tip of everyone's tongue, we speak about it, but nearly half of all companies have reported significant disruptions in their supply chain as a result of COVID-19. But in the salon, we've actually had empty shelves as well, particularly here in Australia. I wanted to start at the beginning and understand what a supply chain is and how it would affect a company like Kevin Murphy. So, we know that a supply chain is a network between a company and its suppliers to produce and distribute a specific product to the final buyer. In our case, it's Hydrate or Angel Wash, but the supply chain also represents the steps that it takes to get the product and service from its original state to the customer. So, Betty, what would you bring with your wealth of experience in this area to that statement, and how has it actually been for us at Kevin Murphy?
1: Well, you know, Nathan, Kevin Murphy is no different than the rest of the world. Um, like you mentioned earlier, there's been so many disruptions, and unfortunately, Kevin Murphy was not immune to them. So as a quick like example, um, once the world shut down uh, due to COVID, many households like yours or mine, we started stocking up on essential uh, things that we needed, like hand sanitizers. What quickly happened mm. was this ripple effect um, that ultimately impacted the Kevin Murphy products. And, for example, products that had alcohol in it, it took longer to get because uh, there was more priority to sanitizers and production of mm. sanitizers. So we just started seeing increase in lead times and then also pricing for critical materials and components.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. And I, I remember that hand sanitizer moment, Betty, Um And the toilet paper moment as well.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. The toilet paper. Everybody (laughs) had went through
0: that. So talk about your career then for us.
1: Well, in general, my entire working career uh, within supply chain, like I mentioned, supply chain was a mystery to so so many people. Fortunately Mm. or unfortunately, um, it's (laughs) been a topic of everyday conversation for us. Um, you know, the world and the global supply chain these days, they're just so connected and linked that if mm. something were to happen halfway around the world, um, we'll eventually feel the effects of it, just like we are right now with price and fuel.
0: Mm. That's interesting.
1: So, I mean, just to give you an example of what happened um, here in the U.S. and Texas, we, we suffered from a really, really bad winter storm in uh, in the Texas area. And many, you know, cities and towns they weren't prepared for it, so pipes were frozen, and then homes and businesses, they lost power for days. And uh, what actually ended up happening was a lot of manufacturing plants, like petrochemical producers, declared and forced the and actually had to shut down their businesses for a period of time. So what that really means is, is that they weren't able to actually um, meet their obligations to supply us with the you know raw materials or the chemicals that we needed on a consistent basis. So we mm. had no choice. And many manufacturers actually had to go to a different supply source completely and quickly react and make those changes.
0: Do you know, Betty... Um... The the five million people are in lockdown in China again now, two years into this pandemic, so we've got another wave of that coming because of that, would you say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We're, you know, constantly having to keep up to see what's happening around the world and more so now, like I mentioned, with the globalisation, you have to pay attention to what's going on in many different parts of the world that you typically wouldn't be used to to doing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. That's amazing. Another, you know, impact down the road
0: at one point. Yeah, it's like those balls that you you click one and it flies off the other end. It has a reaction, an equal reaction at the other end. Right. So I had really no idea how things could build like that. But we know that COVID and a handful of historical unforeseen events like the freeze you mentioned, the Suez Canal, the boat. I mean, it sent every part of the supply chain into a tailspin. I find it interesting that you're like, for better or worse, people are all interested in uh, supply chain right now, which means that you're under scrutiny uh, for probably the first time in in a big way in terms of trying to get things done. Um, and keeping having that capacity to keep up with the demand you know there's not enough trucks, there's airspace or ocean containers or drivers or workers I think is an important thing particularly here in Australia that are engaged to keep the whole logistics system operational. I think that gives you an idea and I think Betty you understand and thank you for being here on how highly complex and linked the supply chain is and how much coordination. Creative thinking, manoeuvring and juggling has been required to keep products in stock at the salons for two straight years. I'm going to thank you on behalf of Kevin Murphy, but we still haven't fully recovered, have we, Betty?
1: No, not at all. There's never a dull moment in supply chain and, you know, just even more so now. Um, You know, you got to be on your toes and be ready to react when possible or at least Mm. pre-plan and make sure that we have, you know, plans to change you know, directions if we need to. So I think uh, Kevin Murphy as a whole is well positioned and um, over the last two years we've had to uh, make certain decisions or quick decisions to make sure Mm. that we continue to uh, manage through this uh, complex time for, you know, impacting everyone.
0: Mm. Well, thank you and your team for that. So what other vulnerabilities can you see around these?
1: Well, at the end of the day, we're always here having to, you know, forward think. And um, at the end of the day, try to protect our brand and the quality of our products. Um, Kevin Murphy as a company, we've always expected high quality raw materials from our suppliers. And when we're, you know, on the path of more natural organic ingredients, um, we owe it to our customers, um, the stylists to provide the high quality uh, products that we've always um, committed to providing. So just to, you know, make sure we give the experience to the stylists and the consumers. Kevin Murphy, we have to ensure the quality of our products. We hmm. do extra, take extra steps in monitoring and testing our ingredients. And we don't sacrifice the quality and performance of our product because that's what we pride on hmm. ourselves on. And so it's not an easy task, but um, nevertheless, always having to think of different solutions and never accept
0: no for, for an answer. So what you're saying, Betty, is, uh, is some brands, what they would do is is replace an ingredient with a cheaper or a less effective ingredient or just switch things around or drop an ingredient or...?
1: No, not really. So there's, there's times where we have a formula and, um, you know, from the very beginning, this is what we've agreed and approved. But there's, for many ingredients, there are op- options to do, uh, substitutions from different mm-hmm. suppliers. They are like for like. Um, it's just we never in the past had to explore down that route because suppliers right. have been consistent. So, um, we take very calculated or make calculated decisions on where we make those, uh, uh, decisions or concessions and uh, we go from there. So it's, we really try to uphold the quality of our products um, mm. in making sure that uh, it doesn't impact the overall uh, performance and quality.
0: Of course, and it's not something we'd often think about when we were at the basin or the backwash, as you say, in in the US, and we were, you know, washing someone's hair. So I think for for salons and stylists listening and and perhaps people, you know, in sales and, and stuff within our network around the world, our distribution network, can you briefly explain the manufacturing process of an average product from ingredient sourcing to manufacturing and packing? I know that's a big question, but see how you go. (laughs) <laughs> well, let's
1: see. We can we can use Hydrate Me Wash as an example. And what I'll try to do is try to make the, you know, the complex into something more simplified. So, um, in general, Kevin Murphy will place an order with our factory or our contract manufacturer for, you know, a quantity that we need. And then mm-hmm. our partners or our suppliers will then go ahead and order the materials Um, Like I mentioned, that we've approved and um, order all the raw materials, you know, for it to come in at the same time. And then, Mm -hmm. along with that, provide our suppliers with packaging components like the caps, the bottles, or even the shipping cartons. Um, The key point here is that all the materials need to arrive in a particular window and it all needs to be available um, at the same time to make sure that we can make the wash. And that's been some of the challenges in the past is, is that, um, or at least in the you know last couple of years, is you can't go into production until you have everything. So once we once the factories do have all the raw materials and the packaging, then they can go straight into um, uh, filling the bottles with uh, our product.
0: And so, from there- so, Betty, that's amazing. So that's actually the logistic part of this, is it? Like... I suppose stupid people like me may have actually thought that you'd just have bottle tops lying around and containers, but what you're saying is until all the components are there, nothing happens.
1: Exactly. So nothing happens. Um, only when everything, they have full visibility that things are going to be coming um, in in the, uh, a week or two weeks prior or mm. actually just receiving into their, their factory. Nothing goes into production until that happens.
0: That's a. It makes complete sense, but I don't know why it's such a surprise to me. I suppose you wouldn't turn it's on. A, 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 a what, <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't turn on a what do they call it? A filling machine? What are those like? What are they? The. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, filling equipment, filling lines. Yep. You
0: wouldn't turn it on until you had everything there, would you? Yeah.
1: Um. If we were just running one product, no. But uh, more often than not, the contract manufacturers, what they do is they have to, you know. They have so many orders that are coming in from different uh customers like Kevin Murphy and they schedule so they make sure mm. that the lines are running um but they will have to wait to put Kevin Murphy products into the mm. production line once everything is available for them.
0: And do those lines generally run
1: 24/7? Um I think of late uh they've been for certain contract manufacturers they they do run um 24/7 but uh, they would need to balance um, how much work they have. So some run five-day operation, some run six days. So it really mm-hmm. depends on the need, but those lines are typically not going down unless we absolutely have, uh, you know, just for, for example, COVID, um, mm. when people were getting uh, sick, they had COVID guidelines in place where they had to shut down or uh, mm-hmm. They might do some type of cleaning or sanitization. So mm-hmm. uh, those are the occasions where they would
0: stop the line and, and, and clean. I mean, even here in Australia, there's been a problem with labor because our borders have been shut, but also a problem with labor because of the COVID isolation risks. You know, you must stay in your home for this amount of time. We know labor is a problem in Australia. They couldn't even get raw ingredients picked. Um, so, how would labor affect us globally as a as a brand, Betty?
1: Well, you know, even even before the pandemic, um, manufacturing or logistics, we've always struggled with labor shortages, but even more so now, heightened because of the pandemic. Um, it, it's been a real challenge, you know, depending on parts of the world, finding the labor that we need or the the people um, to want to come in, because you know, here in the US. Are are benefit there's benefits or incentive incentives um, for people to actually stay home during that period? So getting people to come in to work was quite a bit of a, a challenge. And then mm. you know on top of that, when people are working, um, they have to abide by social distancing requirements. And um, and if there were positive cases, then there were immediate shutdowns, just like what's going on with uh, uh, China right now. Um, mm. It's they're never planned, and uh, at this point, you just have to react and see and do an assessment on how Kevin Murphy as a company will be impacted by some of these uh, last minute changes. Mm. Uh, so, overall, you know, for a lot of these factories, they lose a lot of productivity. And when you don't have the people to um, run continuously, it just creates issues in terms of uh, production uh, capacity and overall, you know. Um, product that you know gets made and supplied to customers like us
0: Mm. even delivery drivers
1: oh yes i mean it it was uh, as crazy as we had the all the inventory to ship from one location to the other but there was a special um you know driver to have to drive dangerous goods and they require mm. a, a driver with certificates. And at one point we were short on, um, drivers with that are certified to be able to, you know, drive the pr- trucks from one location to another. So it's, it's all the things that you would never expect back in the day. And now it's happening and, you know, just having to, to be able to figure out solutions to keep moving.
0: Uh, so the knock-on effects have left the cargo ship stranded off the coast of major ports and around the world for weeks of time. We've seen the vision from where you are, Betty, in Southern California. We've seen the vision from Singapore. It's quite amazing. Like Jenga pieces, you know, uh, port officials are, are struggling to clear their docks. I mean, if you look at that satellite imagery, listeners, Google it and you will just see that backlog.
1: Absolutely. Um, I actually had the opportunity a few weeks ago to go to the LA Long Beach Port and see, like, go on an actual tour to see what was happening um, uh, on these terminals. So it's Mm. it's amazing to see some of the, um, you know, uh, how much, just how many containers are sitting on these boats. And um you know how much is actually sitting out there uh, in the ports waiting to be unloaded mm. so yeah it was, it's like jenga pieces that you have to you know get things moving and how do you get some of these areas uncongested and move the product or move the containers from one location to the other so mm. it's that ongoing game that we've had over the last uh you know year to two years and it will continue to go for quite some time
0: Yeah, great. So it's never been so prominent. The question is, uh, what challenges are we going to have for the next kind of few years ahead? So what can we expect, Betty? Um,
1: 2022 is still going to be just as challenging as the last two years, uh, Nathan. Uh, There's just so many factors that continue to affect all of us and, um, like we mentioned earlier, geopolitical events that we're, you know, monitoring and watching throughout the world, um, labor negotiations that, you know, in Europe, at least like mm. paper mills or, you know, here in the U.S. with the L.A. Long Beach port, um, mm. inflation, that's all going to have in it some kind of impact. And right now, the best way we can uh, respond is to be flexible and make sure that we're investing and putting our resources in the right places.
0: Mm. what's the price of gas or petrol in the u.s at the moment
1: in huh, just uh over the weekend six dollars and 20 cents per per gallon
0: mm. um we we purchase by liter we're a dollar 90 a liter right now <laughs> we'd have to google how many yeah, gallons gonna, I more think it's two or three
1: times right so i think it's actually uh gallons is about two to three times it's about
0: the same then okay great yeah. That was interesting because the last time uh, I was speaking to someone from the US, the US was significantly lower than Australia, but it seems to have uh, caught up. So, I mean, let's touch on inflation because the reason, one of the reasons I, I wanted to record this podcast with you, Betty, was because first and foremost we wanted our network to understand why there may be disruptions of products and may why there may be gaps in the shelves in a salon or and things like that. But secondly, I wanted to give our salon and stylist network an opportunity to actually um, look at their pricing and put their pricing up because inflation is a thing. And so what do you think, if you could put your mind at a salon level, what do you think this could all mean at a salon level?
1: Well, It's a good question just because, you know, even not even having put myself into a salon level, it's even as a consumer. Um now understanding the different price increases that are happening all throughout the chain. I mean the cost mm. of shipping from you know what used to be uh few thousand dollars, three 000 to four thousand, you know, at one point uh last summer was costing fifteen to twenty to twenty-five thousand um to move a container or even a raw material that makes you know our products work like silicone. Um in some cases just a few weeks ago, they were three, four times the normal price that um we're used to paying. So all of that is going to have a ripple effect um, that we see, you know, in at the salon level for the, um, you know, products that are sitting on the shelf or even, you know, everyday items that we're using or, you know, consuming like food or mm. essentials like toilet paper and, um, in um, just very mm. just different household products. So all of that is, uh, unfortunately, we're seeing a very rapid increase in inflation. And, you know, unprecedented, uh, like we've seen before. And, mm. you know, there's going to come a point where customers or, you know, people like us, um, every day, we're going to have to make decisions on how do we stock up. So something mm. that I used to buy, you know, two or three times, um, you know, one given um, time, I had to actually wait and say, okay, maybe I'll just wait a couple more weeks uh, uh, and not buy until a little bit later. So those are all decisions that, you know, we're going to start taking a look at and we're just all going to have to manage.
0: That's extraordinary. I mean, I do know at a salon level, that is exactly what we've done. Um, We have stocked up on essentials, like let's say, you know, our 700 and our 800 and Color Me, or we've stocked up on those essential selling Kevin Murphy items as well we are carrying far more stock than we used to, but that makes us feel comfortable. What would you comment about that?
1: Uh, I, I agree, and um, I think... Uh, like I was mentioning earlier, you have to just put your resources or your uh, investments in the right place. So Mm. the essentials are going to be important for our everyday life and, you know, to keep the salons uh, running. And Mm. um, I think there's going to be some times where we're going to have to make some trade-off decisions. So it'll it'll just really depend on um, where we are or what new, you know, challenge or... um,
0: hiccup mm. that we're going to encounter. So it
1: we will have to be very fluid and um, continue to manage and make those <laughs> uh, decisions where
0: we need to. It's true. Could be spiders from Mars next time. <laughs> so <laughs> despite some uh, the easing in, in recent months, the shipping costs are, are likely to remain quite high, aren't yes. they? And um, the processes will continue to change. But let's try and be a bit more positive. What about environmentally sustainable practices? Do you think actually this is an opportunity for us?
1: Uh, Absolutely. And I think Kevin Murphy has always had a foundation of um, sustainable practices and Mm. really put forth um, trying to be the the front runner or the leader in this space. So I think with um, COVID happening, it's changed some of the consumer buying behaviors and um, for them to take a look at. Uh, what's important to them and um, how can they contribute to, you know, the environment and uh, practices um, on a mm. day-to-day level? So I think this on a positive note, you'll, you'll see a lot more um, activity and movements towards more sustainable practices or packaging um, or, you know, just many different uh, facets of our life, like uh, reducing carbon emissions and Mm. electric cars so i think that's pushed us just like at the very uh, beginning of covid having to go to you know more online and digital to to shop i think Mm -hmm. a lot more consumers are going to change their you know buying behaviors when it comes to environment and how they're going to be able to contribute
0: Mm. that's interesting um You know, just to go off script here, uh, the Future Laboratory is a a trend prediction agency that we do a fair bit of work with at Kevin Murphy Betty and one of their things is they say Millennials Gen Z are going to not require but demand supply chain transparency in the future and that brands need to prepare for that. What what would you say to that?
1: Uh, Absolutely. Even... uh... You know, prior and now, um, we have to make sure that we have full visibility, even down to the, for example, the the plastic that goes into our packaging. We need to have visibility of where that's coming from and the process mm. that they're, you know, that it's taking to be able to get those raw materials or that those plastics. So for these generations or newer generations, they're savvy. They they understand and they want access to um that information because mm. it helps them um you know with their purchasing decisions as well as um you know understand on how they are affecting uh, our world today so mm. i think transparency is going to be really important uh for companies uh like Kevin Murphy to maintain and then for mm. other companies in the future to you know really create programs to provide that transparency um and visibility
0: Lovely. So the change could be for good after all of this?
1: After all, the change is for good because at the end of the day, it pushed and accelerated a lot of companies, people to think differently like they have uh, never before and really actually think quickly. So I Mm. think, you know, in the end, despite all the challenges that we've all faced, I think we're, you know, coming out in a better place and um, much more forward thinking and, uh, you know, having to do things differently.
0: Well, that's wonderful. Thank you, Betty. So this has been Conversations with Kevin. Thank you, Betty Kayo, Global Vice President of Supply Chain and Operations for us at Kevin Murphy. Next time, tune in to hear about how this affects you and the salon. In a special edition of Conversations with Special Guests, we will look at costs and pricing. I'll be sitting with a cross-section of people in our industry, salon owners from different areas around the world, and get an understanding of how we affected things and and how we respond. But thank you so much for being here, Betty. I'd love you to say goodbye to the audience.
1: Thank you, Nathan. Thank you for having me on and
0: um, look forward to next time. Great, thank you. So we all wanna be successful, have adequate stock on our shelves and have a team that feels remunerated for the work that they do. But when is the right time for a price rise? How do you implement it and how do you cost it out? Next time on Conversations with Kevin, we will be discussing all of that. So tune in. Goodbye.